0: Three thousand-year-old passage that even if you didn't grow up in church, have been in church a long time, you know this passage. In fact, I would say it's probably the third most known passage in all the Bible, and number one in the Old Testament. We've got the um, John three sixteen, God so loved, and then we have the Lord's Prayer, Matthew six, and then we have this Psalms twenty-three, and and David as he's as he's sharing it, um, it's from a place at the end of his days. So when he wasn't when he was a young shepherd. This is when he was a king. And he's remembering back on his life. And he's, he's writing this song about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the ever-present help of God towards the end of his life. And here we have the shepherd who became king, talking about the king of kings and how he is like a shepherd to our soul in the here and in the now. Now, where do we most hear Psalms 23? Anyone want to guess? There it is. One person at a funeral. Why do we, we hear it at funerals all the time. In fact, it's the number one passage on sympathy cards. It's in, it's in, um, on tombstones. It's because there's that little part in there about, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And yes, someone who is in a morning service or a celebration of life service or at a funeral, like we're experiencing maybe the shadow of death because of someone else's departure. But David is writing this in the land of the living. David's writing this from a revelation of who God is to him and how we can now, 3,000 years later, better know who God wants to be to us. And so we might need to take this off the tombstone and off the sympathy card and work it into our living life today. Because how you see God in the mountaintops and in the valleys, how you see God determines your life determines who you are, what you believe about yourself when you connect with the God and how he sees you and how he wants to lead you. So these simple six verses can truly shape your life today. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, my portion, my provision. It overflows. It runs over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in God's house. I'm gonna be with God forever. That's awesome. I wanna speak today from Psalms 23 of how to have a satisfied soul. What can we expect when we walk with God? We will not experience perfection here on the earth. That's gonna happen in eternity, but the perfect one is our portion. He's our protection. He's our provider. He's our help in the here and the now. And everything else in this world that promise satisfaction, not that all those things are even bad, but they will leave you with a, a need a desire for more. There is only one thing that completely fills your cup, your portion, your heart. The satisfaction of your soul is only found in your savior amen can we pray lord i thank you that although we're going through a well-known passage we don't want to have it memorized in our head we want it to transform our heart so lord i thank you whether we've been in church a long time or we're new to faith or we're just discovering the things of god would you give every one of us a new revelation of what it means to walk with the shepherd who's perfect and who's perfecting us god that you're not distant that you're with every one of us today No matter our mistakes, no matter our mess, no matter the mountaintops of goodness we're experiencing, you still have more for us. And so, Lord, I speak right now by faith to everyone who feels dissatisfied in their inner world, that there'd be a new revelation and expectation of the goodness of God in the land of the living. Their cup would begin to overflow. The anointing on their life would begin to fall. The goodness of God would be seen through the rest of their life. So come and meet with us, speak to us, and change us from the inside out. In the mighty name of Jesus, can I get a loud amen? Amen. How to have a satisfied soul. Satisfaction, is not that just sound amazing? Like just to be satisfied, satiated, like at peace, having what you need in the moment. Now, most of us, we have some things out there in life, and again, these are good things, that if we had that one thing, then we would be satisfied. I think any one of us could fill in the blank with many things. It could be the career move, the relational health, the connection, maybe it's physical health, maybe it's just more provision, money in the bank for you, and if I had those things, or if I had that one thing that I feel like I'm missing, God, if you just did that one thing, then I would be content. I would be satisfied. I'd be I'd be all right. But the truth is, we know this. We know this by seeing the lives of the people who have everything, people that we would like prop up, of the people that have it all together just in the world. I'm talking about the famous, the influential, the powerful, the rich. Like we would look at them and like, man, they don't have a problem in the world, but we know the stories of their lives. It leaks to the tabloid pages and finds its way to us that The fact is, you can have everything out there and still have nothing. Like, they have the worst marriages. and not all of them. I'm lumping it all together. They have the most painful situations with families. They have so much, but they don't have satisfaction. Because satisfaction is not an outward thing. It's an inward place. Satisfaction is not an earthly thing. It's a heavenly thing satisfaction is not about what you need or think you need. It's actually, as a believer, it's about what you already have and having a fresh revelation of what that means for your daily life. Now, we all know that we have this salvation, but we look at it as an eternal rescue on the horizon one day. But salvation isn't just Jesus has saved me from my sins, so I'm going to heaven. There's so much more. They said, I can experience heaven in here, in my heart, even when all hell is breaking loose out there. And for some of you who are on the mountaintops right now in the goodness of God, I would encourage you that God actually has so much more in store for you. Because sometimes when things are working, we then rest instead of realize that God's working something bigger through us to the world around us. So when we have a passage that is so well known, and memorized, it tends to stick in our head. But the truth is, things in our head, if they never make its way to our heart, will never change our mentality, it will never change our perspective. And there's this crossroads in our inner world where our heart and our soul and our spirit all collide, and that's the place where God does his greatest work on the inside of us. And so here we have the shepherd that would be king talking about the king of kings as a shepherd. He's wanted to relate to us what he has learned in his long road of walking with God, where he had made some detours and been on delay because of his own mistakes. And then sometimes God has delayed some things in his life because ultimately God was into his development and his character. And he's revealing to us what it looks like to walk with God daily, that the Lord is a shepherd and And you don't have to lack, you don't have to want. He he makes you want to lie down in a green pasture and leads you besides a still water. He rejuvenates, refreshes, and restores your soul. And although we do not build all of our theology just off a few verses, but the full passages of Scripture and all of the Bible. And even then, we see it through the finished work of the cross, the resurrection power of the empty grave. But we have to get it in our heart, not just in our head. In Psalms 23, it is this all-inclusive feast of what it means to be saved and secured and connected with God. Not just for forever, but right here and right now. There is more satisfaction for your soul because there is more of God that he wants to reveal to you. He wants to reveal what it looks like to walk with you every single day, not just on difficult days and not just get the praise on days of celebration, but be in the midst of every single day, the mundane day, the day of misery, the day of struggle, the day of success. He's with you every single day. It's an all-inclusive feast. I remember, I think it was 2004, um, I went on a cruise. It's the only cruise I've ever been on in my life. In 2004, if you turn back the clock, uh, I went on a cruise with some other church leaders I was leading with, and I didn't have a lot of resource back then. I was just out of college and just serving and, and, uh, at a church and working a job, and we went on a cruise. And I don't know if there is a Spirit Airlines equivalent of a cruise, but that's what we were on. <laughs> it was like a little three-day tour, three little three-day ch- Three-hour tour, that's Gilligan. I was on a three-day little trip down to Ensenada, Mexico, and back to Long Beach, California. And uh, it was pretty pretty spartan. It was pretty spare. Now, but the one thing they did have going for me is that it was all you could eat at dinner. It had already been paid for. And I went in, as any 23-, 24-year-old would, ready to make good on that offer. (laughs) So, in fact, I tried to order two entrees. And I said, sir, you can't order two at a time, but you can order as many as you like, one at a time. And I said, fine, I'll start with the crab because it's the only time it's ever acceptable for a grown man to wear a bib. (laughs) And I had it and they brought it out and it looked amazing. And then I ordered another entree and I noticed after entree, after entree, dish after dish, they started coming out in smaller portions, looking less and less like the extravagance of the first course. And over time I realized like they're totally mailing it in. It went from delicious and amazing to just kind of ordinary and mundane in a moment, and I think for us, sometimes, like, when it comes to our security and salvation with God, we know that this grace of God, this gift of of freedom from our sins and shame, like, it's the amazing first course, but then we think over time of walking with God, we start to get a dissatisfaction, like, it doesn't get better as it goes, and that, friends, is the farthest thing from the truth, and if I could break up one lie, that the enemy has told you that you might have bought into because of your current situation or current circumstance is that God's gonna be good in the beginning and good at the end, but he's not good in the middle. That from the salvation moment where I feel like I'm set free or I am born again to the day when he makes all things good at the end of time or the end of my life and I'm with him for eternity, that I starts good and it ends well, but in the middle, it's a mess. And there is mess in life, And There's mistakes that we make, but what David teaches us in this psalm and in this song, in his greatest hit, is that we can experience the goodness of God all the time, that we have a God that provides, a God that protects, and a God that satisfies your soul. So if you are not satisfied in your inner world right now, there's something the enemy has lied to you about that this passage of scripture maybe could help illuminate to the goodness of God no matter what your daily grind looks like. Psalms 23, it starts out with the Lord is. I know this sounds so simple, but I think it's powerful. He's my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He's not the God. He's not someone else's shepherd. He's not all of humanity's shepherd. David understands, although he's the God for us in the present tense, can look out for eight billion people, he's my personal shepherd in my life. He's mine. Something parents don't have to teach your two- or three-year-old. They learn real quick. If they want something, they say, mine. We didn't have to teach them that. And my kids, the truth is, they didn't pay for any of that stuff. But when it comes to the toys, that can be yours. That's fine by me. Now, you better not touch the control or the thermostat or you're going to have lost your mind. Those things are mine. But everything else, yeah, you can have that. In fact, it's in a mentality of a child that if they see something that they want, that they grab a hold of it. And maybe David is teaching us this childlike faith that we just need to take a little bit of ownership. In fact, if you want to step into a satisfied soul, you need to take your own personal ownership of your relationship with God. It is not just a God that cared enough to send Jesus, and then one day he's coming back. He's the shepherd that is in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit at all times. In fact, Jesus teaches this ownership piece, connectivity piece, this intimacy piece When he teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, he says, I want you to pray Abba Father or Our Father. I want you to give the most intimate name possible to the God who created everything. I think sometimes in our mindset, especially people that maybe grew up in church a little bit, is that we think that God's way out there, and if he cares enough, he might get involved. But David says, let me tell you what I know at the end of my life, is that God is his perfect shepherd, and he's your shepherd and he cares about your soul, and he cares about your situation, and he cares about where you're going. One of David's sons, Solomon, he had a song too. He says, I am my beloved's, and and my beloved is mine. In other words, as a son belongs to the father, so does the father belong to the son. You have a relationship with God. Sheep and shepherd are mentioned over 500 times in the Bible, and yet David says, this is is my, my shepherd. He gives him a a name. He's Jehovah Rohi. He's like this God that shepherds my soul. I've got a revelation of walking with God, David says, through my generation, is that I have a God that cares enough to care for me about no matter what I am facing or what am i am walking through. Now, the truth is, like you've heard it preached before, I know I have, that sheep are dumb and sheep get lost and sheep will go the wrong way. They'll fall in the water. They can't take care of themselves and the truth is, all of those things are right. Sheep are the most high-maintenance animals around. They cannot exist or thrive without a shepherd. That does this mean we're dumb? I'm not saying that. Maybe the Bible did, but I'm not saying that. I am saying it is we're high-maintenance. We need more care than we might know. We need more help than we might be aware of. David, when he says, you're my shepherd, he's the king of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And he says, I need a shepherd of my soul. I need the care of God. He's my Jehovah-Rohi, the one that leads me, the one that saves me, the one that protects me, the one that feeds me, the one that provides me. He's the one that heals me. I have to have him. And if we know that we have him, then we need to know a little bit about his character. And what this psalm teaches us is that not only is he our own personal God, and we need to take ownership of that relational connection for ourselves. make it personal, make it intimate, but also that we have a God that does not fail. He doesn't fail. Now listen, he does not fix everything immediately, but he never fails. So he must know something about our situation that he's allowing to happen in order to secure a better destination in the inroad, he doesn't fail. And the more intimacy we have with taking personal ownership of the relationship, the more connectivity we'll have with this Holy Spirit. The more we're encouraged with the fact that He loves us so much that He's actually leading us to somewhere good and somewhere by God's design. Romans five verse five says, "This hope that we will not lead us to disappointment." For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So if you are empty or dissatisfied, it's because there's something in your internal operating system that is shutting off the love of the Father that flows through the Holy Spirit. And just maybe today, that even if you find yourself in a struggle you would tap back into that personal ownership of the relationship you have with an almighty, perfect God who cares deeply about you and let the Holy Spirit begin to make it personal with how much he loves you and then you will find yourself from going empty to overflow where your cup begins to run over and you can declare like he does. Even though I might have walked through some things, I know that the goodness and mercy of God is tracking me down wherever I go because it is not based upon my character but based on his I think so much of this disappointment that you might be feeling or frustration in life is with things that we feel like God hasn't done for us or how life hasn't worked out for us yet. But if we get back to the place that he knows what he's doing in the long play of our life, then we might not like the path he's leading because who really wants to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Nobody does. In fact, I read in a commentary that in the Near East, they would take them in to the deepest of valleys for two reasons. And the the sheep don't want to go there because it's dark. They don't want to walk downhill. But they will walk downhill and even in the dark when they have the voice of the shepherd leading them. And that's where the water flows and that's where the protection from the sun is found. So sometimes the safest place that the enemy takes you is right through a low place that you wouldn't want to go. But it's exactly what the shepherd has designed to get you what you really need. Theologians, they believe that this psalm was written at the, the end of David's life. And David knew something that we can learn from today that we might not always like the route that God takes us, that the shepherd is steering us in, but we could trust the end goal and the process. Because even though David made some mistakes, the Bible says he still fulfilled God's purpose for his generation. Do you know that your good shepherd can make up for your mistakes? That when you went offline and off on tangent and did your own thing, that he goes and he finds you and brings you back in so that he can ultimately take you to the place of his heart's desire for you, which, friends, is so much better and bigger than the plan you have for yourself. Because remember, it's David who was left out of the anointing ceremony with Samuel, but he was the one that God desired. And when he's brought in and he's anointed, he doesn't just take the throne. He's got a Goliath, And he's got a soul. And he's got battle after battle and being on the run. In other words, he received his calling, but he didn't see it happen until about 14 or 15 years later. And David who now is sitting in the seat of a wise king who's fulfilling God's purpose in his generation, tells us that we can trust the God who makes the promise because he who promised is faithful, even if the path to get to the promise takes longer than we desire. I think about that same kind of story and scenario in the Old Testament is in the life of Joseph. In fact, in Psalms, it talks about Joseph's, Joseph's tempering and Joseph's testing and that God was working something greater in Joseph. It's in Psalms 105, verse 19, it says, until the time came to fulfill his dream, Joseph's dream. But where did the dream really come from? It came from God. He had it one night. He had this dream. In fact, he had dream after dream of God putting him in a place of prominence. Now, we know that he might have messed it up by bragging about it to his peers and to his brothers. It might have got him thrown in the pit. But this was a God dream. And it says about Joseph's like until the time came to fulfill the God dream or destiny for his life, the Lord then tested Joseph's character. Again, it's like 14 years until from when he is inspired by it or receives a promise to when he sees it in place. How many know that would be frustrating? How many know in your situation where you feel like i, I believe in on a promise of God, I'm standing on a promise of God, a desire of fulfillment in my heart and I haven't seen it yet and I wanna give up from that place But the Bible says about Joseph over and over again in his story in Genesis, like, that God was with him. That God was with him. God was with him in the betrayal of Potiphar's wife. God was with him when they left him behind in the prison. And God, the same God that was with him in those moments of frustration is the God that lifted him out of that place in prison and pit and put him in Pharaoh's palace as the leader in the whole known world at that time. And so what David is teaching us, that Joseph's life echoes as well, that in the hindsight of every hardship that you might be facing in your heart is God knows the plan that he's taking you on. And although the path might have some valleys of death and it ultimately ends in a life well lived. And you might find yourself in a stretch season or a test season or a struggle season or a mountaintop season. But that doesn't mean that God isn't present and isn't protecting you and saving and securing you for something better, for something better. In fact, what we know about David's life and what I think we learn about Joseph's life as well is that while like, in fact, we see this Joseph's life in the end when things are reconciled and he forgives his family. He says, you know what? All this mess I've been in that I could have blamed you for, maybe I just need to see it in a different perspective. Just maybe this is allowed to happen to me for the saving of many lives. Just maybe I had to go through some difficulties in order to get to destiny. And so you can start experiencing the God who is with you when you realize what he's taking you through is because he's trying to do something that's bigger than you, trying to do something that blesses others on the other end of the issue that you might be facing. In John 10, Jesus says, I I am a, a good shepherd. In fact, I am the good shepherd. And I know you. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Yes, we know him as Savior. And yes, we know him as Lord. But do we know him as the one who wants to daily steer our soul and our situations in a long game perspective that is not only benefit us, but brings the blessing of heaven to the world around us? Psalms 23 1 The Lord is my shepherd, and I what? I shall not want. One translation says, I lack nothing. Man, you read that one. I don't know about you. But I think about some places where I kind of still lack that thing. Am I the only one? Like when I read that, it's like, great for you, David. You're the king in the palace. But what about me? But he says, no, let me tell you, when I have the good shepherd steering my life, I actually have everything I need for today. I don't actually lack anything. So we have this revelation of what it really means to walk with our shepherd and what it means to have salvation. It is actually the provision for our life for what we really need when we need it. You can write this down. I have, if you wanna have satisfaction in your soul, I have a God that provides every good thing. And if your theology has only been on the harshness or the hardness of life, and what God allows you to go through, but never focusing on the goodness of God and what he's already done for you and the fact that he isn't finished yet. You need to break up some of that callousness in your heart and get a heart that understands, although I might not have all the things I desire right now, if I desire him, I'm gonna have everything I actually need. And if I make my, him my heart's desire, is he is my shepherd, then I can get a mentality that I actually don't lack anything because if I have him, I have Everything. And yes, he will do more in me, more for me, more through me, but only from the revelation that he's the everything that I desire, and I already have him. I have a God that provides every good thing. Psalms 84 says, the Lord God is a a sun and a shield. I love that, that he's he's the the glory of the heavens, and he's my protection on the earth. The Lord will give what? Grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them their walk uprightly those that walk uprightly and although maybe you haven't seen the provision you need and by the way if you're only thinking dollars and cents with provision you're missing everything i believe he is the god that provides your needs financial needs as he provides your soul needs and if your soul needs are met first and he becomes your source and supply of life then he'll take care of every other thing that you need. Philippians four nineteen says, and God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In other words, if I have him, I will never really lack because he's more than enough. On my newsfeed on my phone on Friday, just this Friday, uh, the first article that popped up says, stock market is rebounding and will continue to soar. I feel like that's good news. Stock market's rebounding. It's going to soar. The very next story, as I flipped up one page, how to survive the looming financial crisis. <laughs> and I was just like, well, which one is it? Is it bounty or burden or barren? Is it good or bad? It depends on who you're listening to. It depends on your feed." And I'm not saying that the media is controlled by the devil. I'm also not not saying that. Anyways, I'm saying where are you going to find your source? Is it from what other people are saying or is it from what God has said and is saying to you? This is, by the way, why we honor the source. Listen, this is not a push for your giving. This is the way to live your life. That's why if you have a lot on the mountain or you feel like financially you're in the valley, you've got to put God first. You need to put him first in your time. You need to put him first in your attention. Put him first in your talent. And put him first in your treasure. That's why I believe the tithe. I believe it's no matter where you're at in the spectrum of finances. He says, God, you get to go first in that area of my life because ultimately I'm not my source, nor is my work, nor is my education. God, you are my supply. And you are my shepherd. And so we can all quit worrying about the things you cannot control but will put the control of our lives and the source of our lives and the supply of our life in the shepherd's well-capable hands. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. One thing you need to know about sheep is if there's an opportunity to eat, they're gonna eat. In fact, they won't stop eating until they are full. And so if they're lying down in a pasture that is green, that means they've already had more than enough. There's something about walking with him, even through valleys. When he becomes your portion, you can just pause and be at peace because you don't have to keep fighting for everything and biting after everything and foraging on everything. You already know that he's your source and your supply, and you can rest in that place that he is enough. And when he is enough, you also find that, oh, I'm by these streams of water, representation of the the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that... There's a, a constant source and supply that hydrates my inner world. It's not natural water. It's supernatural supply. In fact, one translation says he tra- his, his tracks, his path, take me down an oasis of peace. I can be by the still waters and I can be satisfied and full and lay down in the green pastures. Why? Because he's the source of my peace. Jesus teaches us in John 14 that our peace and the world's peace Are different kinds of pieces. The peace that the world gives, he says, the peace I give to you is not like the world gives. The peace of the world is just an absence of problems, which, by the way, might happen in a moment, but will not happen for the rest of your life. We do not live in a world, especially now with the bombardment of all the information, of all the calamity and chaos in the entire world. We don't live in a world where you can get much peace, naturally speaking. There's no absence of problems out there, but we can live from a place, spiritually speaking, that's always at peace. Why? He's the Prince of Peace. He rules and reigns over peace. He decides where peace goes and where peace stays. He says, the peace I give to you, it's not like the world gives. So therefore, you don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, there's still going to be problems out there, but I can have peace. When he's my shepherd, my supply, and my portion, I can live a life of satisfaction in my soul. Even when I don't have everything working yet, I know he's at work in me. And he leads me besides the still waters of the Holy Spirit to refresh my inner world. I love says he leads us. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't crack the whip to get you going further and faster and working harder. We're not driven by him. We're led by him. In other words, he goes first and shows us how to do it. His grace leads us forward and gives us what we need and where we're called to go. Last year, at, um, we went to the lake as a family with some friends. And um, I'm from Oklahoma, so there's a little, little roughneck in me. I was jumping off the cliffs, and don't, don't tell me I can't do that. I'm my own man, and I wanted my kids to experience that as well. Moms, don't get mad. It was safe enough. It was safe-ish, and so I had them jumping. We started on the low level, and I was graduating them up, and eventually got a little high for my son at that age. But my daughter at that time, she was ten. I thought she could handle it. Um, I'm gonna get her up there, and so he says, "Dad, I don't. This is scary." I'm like, "Look, I'll do it. I'll go first. I'll lead the way," and I jumped in. And then I'm treading water, and like I'm not, you know, I'm not the greatest swimmer on the planet, but I'm okay. I'm capable. But as I'm getting there, she's staying stuck, and so I changed my coaching habit or coaching um, thought from good cop I went to bad cop. And I was like, "Come on, babe, you could do this. Come on, girl, let's go." He said, "You'd do it if I did it." come on. And uh, she began to cry. And I went back up and I got her and we walked down and uh, I felt about this big. And then I got in the boat and I saw how she was still frustrated and sad and kind of hard on herself. Like she let me down. And then I wanted to cry because I felt like a total awful dad. And, And I realized that like, wow, God doesn't just shout things at a distance. He isn't good copas at the cross and then bad kappas in life. He, he leads and guides us in what, with, with comfort. In fact, his weapons of protection and his weapons of attack, his rod and his staff, they, they comfort me. You do not have a God who's screaming at you to obey. He's leading you into a better life, and obedience leads you to the better life. Following him on the journey leads you to the, the better life that he has prepared for you. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants me to live a life of right doing and right living and right standing because it glorifies him. He doesn't love me less when I take a step off the path. He leads me back by his grace so I can live a life of righteousness. I say it this way, my God, this is why I wrote this personally for you to write down in notes, is my God leads me on the path of life. He's not just trying to keep us out of death. He's trying to lead us to life. He's Jehovah Sikhanu, the Lord, our righteousness. That we're in righteousness or right standing with God because of what Jesus has already done. And if you in your mindset think that living right with God, or let me say it plainly, living by the full counsel of the word of God, This is the way that we live. We don't live based upon the post of some other believer out there or their perspective on something. We live by the full counsel of the truth of the word of God. And yes, there are some right paths and wrong paths that the word tells us. But we choose to live by it and we will not do it perfect. That's why we need daily grace because it leads us to life. If you think living in right standing with God, or or living in obedience to God's word is boring, then you don't see the life of Jesus for what it really is. The life of Jesus was a kingdom adventure. The life of Jesus, that he lived perfectly, that even in our imperfection, we get to now stand in that righteousness. was actually the way that produces more blessing and fulfillment. And David says, you know, when I went off the wrong path, I realized that his grace and mercy tracked me down. His goodness was there, but I know when I lived on the right path, it actually produces blessing for his name's sake. It glorified God by the way that I lived. I think a path of righteousness in our life leads to a life of of significance. In fact, where we live now as believers in this new covenant life is that Jesus is seated by the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. In other words, we're access granted to all of God's goodness, even in his holiness. We can have access to him even in our mistakes and in our sin because he's counted Jesus' sacrifice as ours. And so now we stand or we are there with him where he's seated by the right hand of the Father. And in the Psalm here, David also says you're you set a table before me in the presence, the presence of my enemies. The presence of my enemies. I think when we say enemies, many of us think naturally, like the two or three people that you have issues with, two or three people you are problematic with or painful relationships. But we're seated in the presence of our enemies. At, I think more than anything, it's just talking about the adversity of the enemy against us. Of course, David had natural enemies too, but there's a spiritual battle. For God's kingdom and his life. And he says, you know what I know about this good shepherd that cares for my soul is that I can actually take a seat in the midst of my battle. In the midst of my struggle, I can go ahead and grab a seat. I'm not just sitting and resting for a moment. I'm having a meal with him. That when I know that he's my shepherd, even in the midst of adversity, I have this advantage that no one else has that doesn't know him as this good shepherd. I can just rest I wrote it this way for you to grab a hold of for your inner world today, that you can take a seat even in your worst situation. I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your hang-ups are. I don't know what your issues you're facing. I don't know what sort of struggle you're in right now, but it teaches us that the good shepherd allows us to take a seat even in the midst of the worst situations in life. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus, Jesus is actually speaking to the church, and he says, here I am. I'm, I stand at the door, and I'm knocking. And if anyone, says it this is for anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, because you can hear the voice and you can hear the call of God and you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and you can keep the door closed. But if you actually hear it and you open the door, I wanna come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, we hear this, the preachers use this all the time, I have. that he's knocking, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You need to be saved. Let him in. And there's definitely truth to that. But in Revelation two, 3, he's speaking to the church. These are people that already believed in Jesus. He's saying, Hey, you believe in me, but we're not close. I'm trying to get in to be close to you. I'm trying to get you to open the door. I will not force it down. You got to open it on your own. But when you do, I will come in and I will sit with you and I will look at you face to face we're going to have a meal together. We're going to meet together. We're going to connect together. That same kind of table I will set before you, even in your worst situation or your worst struggle, is that you always have me, even when you don't have that thing working quite the way that you want, you have the one that works all things together for good. And he's sitting at the table with you. And this is for anyone. And even that person says, that person will be with me. I'm that person that's messed up a thousand times. You're that person that has a seat at I'm that person who, man, I came out of nothing. You still have a seat at the table. I'm that person who took credit for all the goodness of God. I've got pride issues. I'm realizing, it. no, you're that person that has a seat at the table. This is for anyone. In Matthew 18, Jesus says that there's a shepherd. See it in Luke 15 as well. If there's a hundred in his fold, in his flock, and one wanders away and is lost, the heart of the shepherd is that I'm leaving the 99 and you're still the one. Even as a believer, he wants more intimacy. He wants more connection. He wants more closeness from you. But you gotta be the one that opens the door for yourself. You gotta take your seat at the table and quit fighting your own battles in your own ability. Go ahead and take a rest with him in your inner world and see if he won't bring peace and provision and protection of what only the good shepherd can provide for us. You're the one. You're still the one. This is for anyone. And if, you, if you're that kind of person, you're the exact kind of candidate he wants to have connection with first peter 2 and we're done if he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right our old is dead and this righteousness is what we can have in our life by his wounds you are healed and once you were like sheep who wandered away but now you have turned to your shepherd and i love this he's the guardian of your soul he's not just your god in eternity He's not just your savior on the cross he's the protector the provider the peace he's your portion in your inner world and if you want god to make your life matter much in the outer world you go ahead and let him be the close guardian of your inner world jesus says i've come to give you life in its fullness the enemy comes to steal kill destroy you've got an enemy you got adversity We're people under attack yet I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. But verse 11, we don't talk about very much. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd is willing to lay it all down for the life of the sheep. This is how much he cares about the one. Yes, he cares for the eight billion on the planet right now, but he has the ability to keep the cosmos in motion and his focus and attention because he's infinite and powerful. God cares deeply about the one. been bought in the fact that you can trust the shepherd because he knows where he's going. I wonder if you're far from God today, if you need to go ahead and open the door of access granted to the goodness of God and receive the gift of what Jesus has already done for you. Why don't you stand to your feet? First and foremost, I want to pray for every dissatisfied soul in here that today would take you on a journey of rediscovery, or maybe for the very first time, to lock, start walking hand in hand with the shepherd that cares about your soul, your heart, cares about you personally. i want to pray for those who've never received Jesus that this would be your moment, that you'd be counted in one of those ones, that person, the anyone that can receive the gift of Jesus. Let me pray for you, church. Father God, I thank you for every heart that's here. Maybe some far from God, some that know God, walked with him for a long time. There's a dissatisfaction of their soul. In fact, if their soul is weary, Jesus said that we could come to him when we we're weary and heavy burden, he would give us a rest. He doesn't care about our performance, he cares about us personally. And so, Lord, any lie that they have believed about something out there that would give satisfaction to their inner world, I think you're right now, that gets transformed by the truth. That when we have the Good Shepherd and we have Him, that we have everything we need to live for God. We have everything that we need to fill purpose. We have everything we need right now. Even when maybe we don't have the resource, we think naturally, supernaturally, we have the peace, we have our portion, we have our protection, we have our provider. And that our souls would be satisfied in who he is to us, his voice speaking to us. And we can take courage that even though we might be in what feels like a valley of death, that we're not gonna stay here. He's leading us of right standing the path of righteousness the path ultimately leads in glory like david who made some mistakes still fulfill god's purpose i believe that the people of kingdom city church every man every woman every son and daughter of the most high god would fulfill their god-given purpose and it would start not with their performance but with the receiving the satisfaction of the soul of handing their life over to the good shepherd that cares for them so holy spirit begin to flow in every heart remove every callous heart heart that's wandered off the path to bring it back into the place where they can take a seat at the table of righteousness. And they do not have to fight their battles, but they have to trust their shepherd. And in the long run, they might not like the path, but they're going to trust the promise and the promise keeper. that you're going to lead them to a life like Jesus, like you said, in all of its fullness. In other words, a life of satisfaction. In both this life and the life to come. So if you're here and you're far from god do not miss the moment the greatest decision you'll make in all of eternity is to say yes to jesus and the good shepherd has laid down his life so that you can find a real life that's you with no one looking around what we're going to do in just a moment we're going to pray a prayer we do it after every single service we pray a prayer of faith It's called a believer's prayer a declaration that we trust god we're receive the gift of grace. We're going to turn from our old ways and we're going after him. That we're going to let him not just be our spirituality uh, on a Sunday, we're going to let him be our shepherd every day. And that he gets to go first. If that's you and you're far from God, we're all going to pray together as one family, but I want you one moment of surrender, one moment of humility. I'm asking you just to acknowledge your need for the good shepherd to start this relationship or maybe for you to come back to him. But no one looking around, just really you and God. If you are ready to receive gift of all and a life that will lead you to satisfaction inside and ultimately I think the goodness of God outside but it starts on the inside if that is you if you need a new beginning with Jesus just let All here. Maybe some people online or at Lansing that are getting a fresh start. Come on, let's celebrate with them. So good. And we're going to pray this prayer all together. Come on, put a smile on your face. This is good. On my mic. Here we go. Can we pray together? Say this with me. Say, Dear God, Dear God, I believe in you. I believe you love me. I was separated by sin, but you sent Jesus, my Savior, the Good Shepherd, laid down his life me. I may be wandered off, but I'm coming back home. I put my trust in you. You are my Savior. You are my source. You are my strength. I invite your peace. From now on, I'm not going my own way. I'm following after you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate that? It's awesome.